before I get to this week's episode, I want to take a minute to tell you all about my talented friend's craft cocktail business, The Traveling Cocktail. Bash Williams, who, if you're a loyal listener of the show, you know him as the godfather of Cake and Conversation. He's created a menu of artisanal-style alcoholic beverages using fresh juices, seasonal handcrafted syrups, and craft liquors that combine to take your palate on a journey. He's not making rum and coke and vodka and sodas, people. He's an artist. If you're in the Houston area, he delivers to you every single Sunday, so you don't even have to worry about leaving the house. There's only a short time left to order from his summer menu, so try them before he switches to his fall and winter menu beginning in October. Right now, you can choose from his Summer Fashioned, which has profound orange and maple flavors. There's also a bold margarita-inspired drink he calls the Quinceanera that has hints of jalapenos, also with a sweet and a tart balsamic medley. The third drink on the menu is called the Dew 2, and it has crisp and sweet yet lime flavors. You can search Instagram or Facebook for the Traveling Cocktail, or just search for Bash Williams. Get a hold of him, send him a message, place an order, and tell him Jay from Cake and Conversation sent you. Support local talent and order a drink from The Traveling Cocktail. You won't be disappointed. This man's a genius. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of Cake and Conversation. I'm your host, as always, Jay Vite, and I want to thank you for pressing play on my show. Whether this is your first time checking it out or you're a loyal listener, I appreciate everyone who takes time out of their day to give my guests and I a chance to entertain you. If you don't mind, please share this episode with a friend, click like, click subscribe, even just listening for one minute counts as a view for me. And in this industry, views equals dollars. You can also join the growing list of supporters by finding and clicking the link on my show page. Just a dollar a month goes a long way to helping me continue to be able to put these out. Regardless of money, I publish these episodes because I love doing it. And I know I'm building something meaningful and impactful in the long run. I'm not really a fan of the social media, the shilling learning how to edit photos and videos, hashtagging, pretty much anything that doesn't involve sitting down and talking to the guests, I don't care too much for, you know, because I'm still learning about a lot of that. But outside of help from my girlfriend and my brother, I get to do all of this on my own. It's a big grind and I know it'll pay off, but damn, I'd love to have a production team behind me already. But you can't just skip steps though. It's always an important life lesson. It's not necessarily the destination, it's about the journey. The journey that led me to my featured guest for this episode involved my part-time bartending job. One night I noticed a gentleman sitting at a table, sketching, so obviously I had to go introduce myself and see what he was up to. He said he's an artist and, you know, commissions pieces. I explained the concept of my show and he said he'd be down to be on. Kevin Cromwell has so many interesting stories and life experiences that we could have easily talked for another segment or two, but I want to start staying in the habit of 30-minute segments. 
for the sake of consistency and as an attempt to you know hold your attention for a full episode. Kevin let me know his favorite dessert was chocolate chip cookies. And of course, I hit up Cake and Conversation's resident baker, Daniela Barrera, to help me out. She made a badass cookie cake, and she even decorated it with my greater than zero media logo on top without me even asking, which was a cool surprise. Kevin and I met up at my bar before we opened and talked about the importance of preserving art, finding a way to keep the youth interested for future generations, and the difficulties of garnering interest locally. I'm excited to share this conversation with you, and I'm proud of how it turned out. You can find his work online by searching Kevin Cromwell on Instagram or Facebook, and also by checking out his website. It's kevin-cromwell.squarespace.com. Without further ado, here's my conversation with artist Kevin Cromwell. I want to take a minute to tell everyone about the app that helps make this show possible. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Most importantly, it's free. I always got to lead with that. If you're new to podcasting and feel a little intimidated by the whole process, Anchor doesn't charge you a dime to set up an account, so it's a great app to use while you get your feet wet. You also don't have to be an audio engineer to produce your own show. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone, tablet, or computer. You can do it anywhere. You can do it in your bedroom, fit into your closet if you can, go into a garage. You don't always have to have a fancy studio to uh, make a podcast happen. You really just need something you're passionate about and a chance to click record. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Music, Spreaker, Overcast, and many other platforms. You don't have to go log into each account and submit an RSS feed. Anchor takes care of that for you. Not only is Anchor free, but you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've been doing this show for 10 months and I've already been able to quit full time at my day job and just work part time. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one easy to use place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Remember, it's Anchor, 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 like from a boat. So I'm here with Kevin and I'm doing this episode a little different. Normally, uh, when I meet up with a guest, I've kind of like researched them a little bit or I've heard from a friend or we network. And with you, I met you here at my job yes. and I saw you one day over there sketching in your sketchbook. And I'm like, ooh, art, I got to talk to this guy real quick. And then my biggest thing is, oh, you sell or commission something. Let's talk about it. Now I can have you on the show if you got something to advertise. Um, you told me your favorite dessert, simple, is chocolate chip cookie. It is, yeah. Is this something, again, like growing up with a family? Was it always a cookie was like your go-to comfort food or? Well, it's like, uh, you know, when I was little, that was something my dad and I did. So, you know, every once in a while you sit down, <clears throat> break out the Nestle chocolate chips, and there's a process, right? Mm-hmm. Art's a process, baking's a process, making stuff like that. So that was something that was always like an interesting thing. You start from this place where you just had a bunch of junk in a bowl, 
and you'd end up with cookies. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that we used to do. And Like a bonding moment then. Yeah. So y'all would make them, I mean, almost from scratch then, like yeah, the Nextly yeah. Mix. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So you're closer, you have like a big family, or is it just you and your dad? Or uh, I've got a sister, and it's my parents and my sister. So that's a little oh, for regular, you know, nuclear Nothing too crazy. <laughs> Nothing too crazy. It's, it's cool to hear right off the bat, though, your dad. Most people, obviously, if you're thinking like baking or doing something sweet, it's obviously grandma or mother. Mm-hmm. Was your dad always in the kitchen in general? Was that kind of his territory or? No, I mean, yeah, they, they just did their own things. My dad made what he made. My mom made what everybody ate. So. Okay. <laughs> this is having a really good cookie, too. You got to get a bite. I'm, I'm getting me one. This is a... Um, Baker, the show, the people that listen to and follow my show know her at this point. She was my guest on my previous episode. Mm. Hit her up last minute in two days. You know, hey, can I just get a couple cookies? You know, maybe a half dozen cookies, chocolate chip. She's like, how about a cookie cake? I'm like, hell yeah. So um, growing up at like a young age, uh, were you always drawing, sketching, doodling? Did you realize, you know, four, five, six, even seven years old, you kind of just enjoyed doing it? Or well, I think, you know, everybody at a certain age is, is doing art. You know, everybody's got crayons and markers and they're just doing their thing, mm-hmm. making what they want. But uh, <clears throat> actually, when I was in elementary school, probably like in second grade, uh, there was this other kid, friend of mine, that uh, was sitting there one day and he had drawn this skeleton. Right. And it was really cool. I wish I had it. <laughs> like It was one of those pivotal moments that you don't realize until later. It's kind of like a pivotal moment. But uh, he drew this skeleton. Of course, I, I sat there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to draw that. And I, and I couldn't. You, I mean, first, first time. time, man. It's like I, I didn't do it. And so, you know, I kept working on it until I could. And so, you know, I was, I was doing the practice because art is, you know, there, there's a certain amount of, yes, everyone has artistic talent. Everyone has artistic concepts in their minds. But who's going to put in the work? to learn it. And that's when I realized it's like, I'll really enjoy this enough to put in the work to learn it. And I noticed that the other kids weren't really, you know, doing that. And from that point on, I just hung out with all the artist kids, you know, and you just kind of know, it's like, okay, this is my clique. This is where I'm at. These are the people who are like me. Yeah. So especially as a kid, it's important. Like, obviously you want to, you know, first, second grade, you want to find that group you can fit in with. You don't want to feel like an outsider at a young age. Right. right. So you think um, when you first started drawing, was it necessarily to impress the kid or want to fit in? And then you found out you liked it or it was just, hey, I'll draw even if I am by myself. I still just like to draw. Yeah, I think, you know, I think different types of art, you know, it's like you have music and uh, drama, art, you know, all different kinds of stuff uh, tend to attract different kinds of people. Like I got a lot of friends who are musicians and, and if you're a musician, you're in a band usually. So I, I this may be wrong, just my kind of experience. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a musician, you're kind of like wanting to be with other people because right. you got to, to be in a band, to do a thing. And then artists like painters, like what I do, you know, we sit in a room by ourselves a lot. Secluded. Yeah. You know, kind of, yeah. By ourselves. So uh, a lot of times I think, I, it, I don't want to say it's a misconception, but I think that's just part of the craft. So people who like to be by themselves might be turned into artists you know, or, or more predisposed that way. Mm. And people who are artists tend to become somewhat that way because it's part of the practice. Yeah. Uh, and that's just sort of, 
but it's, it's important to have, you know, friends and colleagues to reach out to. Um, a couple of years ago when I went back to college, I started doing a, an international program. So I traveled uh, to a couple of places in Europe and went to Mexico with my professor, meeting other professors from these other countries and kind of broadening the scope of what, you know, of the artists I knew. It wasn't just like the clique that I grew up with at school and my best friend and like maybe some people from college or something like that. Now I'm starting to like meet people in a professional way and you start to create this this larger community, which... Network. Yeah, and that, that really to me, as a kid growing up here in, you know, Southern coastal Texas, <laughs> It's like that's they don't talk to you about like that kind of stuff in school when you're a kid and you're learning art and you're you're taking you know art lessons or whatever. They're just sort of like, okay, this is something you can do quietly over here in the corner. And they don't really go forward into like what is your future and what is what is your impact on the world and what is the job of right. being an artist. To pursue it outside of a hobby. It's almost like art is always an elective or that extra class you have to take. They don't yeah. try to emphasize it as hey, you can actually pursue this. Or just because you're not like somebody thinks artists, they think like somebody who's a painter, not really realizing maybe the layers of different types of drawing, mm-hmm. sketching, arts, doing storyboards or doing comics or commissioning commission pieces. This is true. This is true. And I think a lot of times it one of the things that I have as a goal right now in my life is to do more art here locally. Okay. So, I mean, there's a painting of mine right over there on the wall, yeah. <laughs> right? That just happened. I just donated it because, you know, I felt like, hey, put this on the wall. Get some local artists. Yeah, because maybe other people might follow step too. Somebody else sees it. Hey, can I put my work on the wall? And all of a sudden, boom, then you, maybe you meet this person one day or it just, yeah, yeah. growing. You know, to me, <clears throat> painting and the visual arts like that, for me, again, it's a form of communication, but it's an asynchronous form of communication. I, I make a statement with my piece. I put it on the wall. You walk in. I'm not here to talk to you about it. You may ne- I may be dead. <laughs> you're going to look at it. You're going to think something about it. And then you may do something else with it. You may take it to the next step. And so I think sometimes people get caught up in the, the commercial fight of art. You know, people who want to do art for a living, it's it's tough. It's tough to do anything as a living. Yeah. You know, uh, if you're a bartender and you're not a very good one, it's hard for you to do a good job being a bartender. Right. <laughs> you to know? pay your bills with you it. Got, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every everything's hard. But art art is one of those things that I think in our society here in America, especially in southern Texas. <laughs> right. Or you could say more conservative in general. Well, or- I'm just saying just there's certain locations in the in the United States where art has a different quality to it, you know, as a, as a job. But here, especially, you know, artists are just kind of like, if you, if you can luckily turn something into something and get sort of this little trend of a following and then kind of people start following you as a person, me as a person, I feel like should never enter into my art because you'll never, you know, 99.9% 99.9% of the time, unless all my art is destroyed as soon as I die, <laughs> people will never meet me. Okay. Yeah. My, my life will never impact them in that direct kind of way. But the art that I'm doing can. And so my goal is 
to get my art out there in the public so that they can have reaction to it so that they can, you know, be made happy or contemplative or something. Think about things. Maybe it inspires them in turn to do something creative. That would, that's exactly what I want. You know, it's not like I need to compete against other artists. It's I need to get more artists in general. Yeah. Yeah. And then if competition or whatever comes later, that's a good thing. It's better than not having it. And I mean, not saying yeah. it has to be competition, but yeah, you want to have more artists in general. You know, I'd love to see more artists. And uh, in that route, what I, again, like what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to start doing more community wide art pieces so that I'm not, I'm not necessarily making money off of my art. I got a day job. Right. No. <laughs> so, so again, the person who is, is Kevin Cromwell, he's over here. The artist that is Kevin Cromwell is going to be putting up some art to hopefully inspire the community and, and, and bring joy and happiness and new cool things. Yeah. It's like a residual impact an impact. You might not even know you have at a certain point. Some like somebody sees it and they get influenced. I can relate a lot to that with this show, like getting to network and meet with people I normally wouldn't get to talk with. And then seeing like two former guests that would never have met each other if it wasn't for just doing this show. And all of a sudden they support each other and their creative endeavors and seeing people collab or just, Hey, they share each other's posts. And I'm like, damn, if nobody else listens to this, that's still two other people that now know each other just from doing something cool, like sitting here and pressing play and talking shit. So like the same kind of concept of like leaving that art on the wall and then you might not even know it. And somebody else sees it and, Oh man, like maybe a kid is in here with his family and he's like, that's a cool picture. I want to try to draw that. And then all of a sudden you got a whole new generation of a kid who maybe in 50 years is fucking Picasso or something, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's, that helps the whole, community mm. right um and that's what i want to do that's where i want to be right now with my art uh, i i tried to do the sort of go after it myself as just a single artist trying to make it in the art world and uh you know i got into a gallery i was sitting there producing work and i had the the gallery that i got into actually uh it was an artist-owned co-op so the artist sort of ran the show. So when we had an opening, I was the bartender. <laughs> Not because I'm a good bartender, just because I was the guy that, that got, because I was a guy. Yeah. And I could stand there and serve wine to people. Well, that's like me saying I'm a photographer trying to take a picture of this because I don't have anybody else here right now. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. You do exactly. what you got to do. You yeah. do what you got to do. So I, they would put me, so I'd be sitting there during the show and I would just be handing out glasses of wine and, and people wouldn't even know that I was an artist there. They just thought I was the bartender for like a long time. They just, they thought they hired someone in. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I would sit there and have these great conversations with people about uh, whatever art I was standing next to. So it'd be a friend of mine's art that's on the wall, uh, like next to me. And I'd be serving alcohol and I would just be sitting there all night talking about this friend's piece that's on this wall to all these patrons that are coming through. And I had so much fun just doing that. Like I couldn't imagine just sitting. I mean, I love talking about my own art. I'll do it for days. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Don't get me started. But you know, just, you know, talking about art in general, I enjoy it as a social interaction. It's great because you start out talking about that, that image. And then you might find something in that image that is, 
specifically interesting or, you know, it kind of flows around. And then you start talking about the ideas of the image and, and then you start talking about the ideas going on in the world outside. Like this reminds me of this news thing that I heard yesterday. And I'm thinking about this thing and I'm looking at this image and I'm kind of just two people talking about politics or science or whatever philosophy, religion, whatever comes up Mm -hmm. out of that piece that's sitting there on the wall and they have a really wonderful conversation while drinking some wine (laughs) and all of that too. But I I really enjoyed that. So when uh, I came, I I got out of that gallery, sort of taking a pause before I go looking for another one. And, you know, I've been up here at the bar a while (laughs) (laughs) And I really started thinking, man, what I don't really want to be back in a box anymore. I don't want to be on a wall in a box. I want to be on the street. I want to be something on the street that people run into that exists outside of a, a defined structure. Going to a gallery. Yeah. Right, right, like right. You can only see my art at this gallery where you would rather be on the street where it's... Well, the gallery, the gallery <clears throat> one of the things we did at the gallery that I was at, we, we did a thing called Late Night Pie. And it was uh, one Thursday a month, I think it was, every every month, last Thursday or something like that. We'd open the gallery up, and I'd, I'd go to Domino's over here, and I'd pick up 12 pizzas. And then uh, my partner would go pick up a couple of pies, and we'd show up at the gallery, and we'd slice it all up and you know get some sodas or some beers or whatever and just open the gallery and like just pull people in off the street to come in. And um, we were trying for a different vibe. You know, you have a gallery opening, you, you it's kind of an event. Yeah. You might wear a tie, you might wear nice shoes, you're, you know, you're like a, it's an event. It could seem stuffy, a little maybe stuffy. or intimidating maybe, or. And are people going to be talking? Are people going to be doing? So the whole atmosphere was like, we're sitting around drinking beer and, eat, and eating pizza. There was a bike shop next to us, so we'd go to the bike shop and say, hey, guys, come over here from the bike shop. Come hang out and just create this entirely different vibe and break down that stereotype of what is a gallery. And that's where I got more more positive feedback. Mm -hmm. Didn't necessarily sell any more work, but felt really good about what we were doing. Yeah, I think there's an inherent, like when you hear the word gallery or like coming from somebody like me who's not a painter, you hear gallery, maybe you think you have a certain expectation going in where the vibe you want to create is perfect because it takes some of that pressure off. I don't know what that veil is with people Mm -hmm. of like art. Oh, I have to sound sophisticated. I better use some (laughs) da 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 to describe like you're trying to describe a wine almost. And you have to say it's earthy with notes of this and hints of that. And some people want to avoid it because they're scared by it or they don't want to appear to sound ignorant. To where what you were trying to do was perfect. It's like, hey, man, we're just hanging out. You know, also, if you want to talk about this or we're, look at the art we're doing, da, 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 but really it's just a pizza and beer. Right. And then hopefully you can get somebody to cling on to something else after that. You know? Yeah. And if that, you know, the way I look at collecting art, because I do collect art as well. I'm not just a, they don't just make it, I buy it. And, you know, there's several different kinds of people who collect. There's people who collect art for aesthetic reasons. They see something that they like, an image you know, or they hear a song or whatever that they like. And those people are going to do whatever it takes to get as cheaply as possible. Not a bad <laughs> thing. Not, a, not no, no, no harm, no foul here. Right. But they're they just like, I like this. I want to put it on my wall. 
I'm really not really that concerned about it. If I can't afford it, I'll just not buy it and I'll get something else that I like and I'll put it on the wall. That's an aesthetic thing. <clears throat> then you have the people that are a little bit more about the idea behind the art. So they're looking not just at this piece, but they're looking at the piece that came before it and they're trying to understand maybe what the artist is saying throughout their set of works. And they're buying the work because the idea behind the work is important or fascinating to them. Those people are the ones that are going to show up. They're going to have a talk with you and they're going to talk about the work with you. And then they're going to be like, Oh, that work me. Yeah. I need that because the meaning is there. And then you have the people that buy work because they recognize the fact that this artist's work needs to be preserved. Mm. That something that that artist is doing is affecting the world in such a way that we need to preserve this for, you know, yeah. future generations. So that story can be told. <laughs> right. Right. And so I'll go to a gallery with people and people will say, you know, why is this little square chunk of, of, you know, painted canvas, $20,000. And I say, I go back to these ranges. I said, there's artwork. That's pretty. You can buy tons of artwork. That's pretty and put on your wall, make your life better. Do it. There's artwork whose whose idea you find fascinating and that you want to incorporate in your life. Incorporate that in your life. If you are the kind of person who thinks that you can preserve art for future generations, and you think that that artist is worth preserving for future generations, you probably have enough money to pay $20,000 for that painting. Yeah. No, exactly. And it's almost something like family heirloom too. That yeah, yeah. Passed down, like you're talking about preserving it. I kind of like the the psychology that goes into the whole like like galleries or going to art meetups too. There is that psychology of mm -hmm. like you're talking about. Ooh, I want to learn about like I like this piece. Is there a story with the next piece or like is it in a series? Right. It's right, like right. ooh, not just what this message or this painting or art is trying to say, but maybe what was going on in this artist's head in his or her particular life. Mm -hmm. You know, because you might. I'm assuming you tell me, like, if you're painting something, you're working on a piece and it's taken a while. And in your own personal life, you're going through different phases, struggling yeah. with something or extra happy with something else. And that kind of resonates into the piece as well. Yeah. And that totally will. And that's why being in an area where there are active artists and being able to see those active artists, um, you know, it's like Houston has a huge artist scene, but it's a big city. <laughs> Lake Jackson, Clute, Freeport, Angleton, this whole area has thousands of artists in it. I know probably hundreds of artists in this area. I, but I still imagine that a lot of people walk around and don't think about, just like I don't think about how many, you know, operators <laughs> I'm walking next to or, or how many, you know, tire changers I'm walking next to. I don't think about who, what, what percentage of what jobs people have. Yeah. And we, what we like here, I think we have some gallery spaces, center for arts and sciences and stuff like that. And then we've got uh, a couple of artists that are doing their own thing in the town, which is really cool. Uh, so it's becoming more visible down here, but I would love to see even more of it. Mm -hmm. I would love to see, where you have, like I said, where, where you can come out and see 
hundreds of artists moving through their lives and, and how it's changing their work. There was a, there's an artist, I'm not, sometimes I'm terrible with names, so you'll have to apologize. Uh, he saw, he had a shark, the, 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 the piece he did was this like little great white shark in this giant tank of formaldehyde. It was like one of the most expensive pieces of art ever sold or something ridiculous like that. But he came out of this group of people that were working in England, like in this studio space, like on the docks, basically. He came out of this this very low class sort of uh, area in the 80s. This is my understanding. Okay. But you would, you would, you would have people going into those places and uh, people with artistic quality, you know, people looking for art and they'd walk into this, this burned out or, you know, old warehouse space and be looking for fine art and finding art and saying, this is fine art. And so you had all of these upstart artists that were kind of growing in their career and all of a sudden they're, they have patronage and all of a sudden they're becoming famous. And you can imagine seeing that if you got the opportunity to see that happen for yourself, if you got the opportunity to see somebody who's like struggling every day just to make art and then have the whole art world kind of turn and look at them and sort of take notice of what them and their colleagues are doing. And all of a sudden this whole thing explodes, mm. you know, I'd love to see that here. Locally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see people in Dallas and, and, you know, Fort Worth, Houston, Austin, kind of turn their eyes over to where us to want to make that drive and like, <laughs> Hey, we got to go. This is once every other month they have this event or gathering and we got to be there. This is the yeah. new spot. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see that. Will it ever happen? I don't know. I don't know. But I would love to see that because there's so many people who are artists out there that are struggling with the day to day of how do I keep doing this? Like I said, I got a day job, right? but I'm never going to stop being an artist because it's, in the blood you enjoy doing it yeah yeah that's what i see when you come in here you come in here is almost like maybe an escape for you you're sitting there riding right. have a beer or two sketch and it's a decompressant almost yeah. it's like oh let me get out of my own day-to-day -day stuff my job today sucked or whatever but let me go here and relax you know yeah. that's some of that escape so there's tons of people in that exact same position as i am and i really i want to see them out mm -hmm. i don't want to i don't want them to be in their in their homes you know by themselves yeah. Secluded. Secluded. I, I'd love to see them more out in the community and, and, and being celebrated and thereby celebrating the community itself because they are the community. I feel like one way to help, because I think about this and kind of related to baseball and where they're struggling is not having the youth involved and not having that next generation. So I almost feel like the thing around here is maybe if you want to get something rolling is make it a kid friendly activity first or, you know, and then maybe get a small following around that. It's like if you want parents involved or an older or not older generation, but adult generation, well, hell, if the kids want to go, then the adults have to be there and then maybe something sparks there. I think you're right. And I think one of the problems that or, or one of the potential solutions, but slash problems is that I, as a professional artist, I've reached a level where I'm not just painting a painting anymore. I am building sets. I am creating objects and a one-man team doing that <laughs> takes me a long time to, to get something put together and what i'm saying there is i need assistance yeah <laughs> i really need 
other people in my studio working with me. But, you know, of course, I'm not I'm not money bags. I can't right. I can't hire a bunch of interns. Right. The, the thing about like this, then, and I don't know how like the legalities or how even realis- realistic this could be. But like with school and high school kids, obviously, you got your art classes mm-hmm. and you get credits for. Well, I know they offer dual credits for kids who can go work during school. Now, why isn't there a way where you can go apprentice where you're not paying and the kid is getting art credit, but being in a professional studio or in a studio where, hey, we're learning about art. That way they're not obviously not wasting their time. They're not getting paid for it, but they're still getting compensated. Right. Because that's another thing with school. That's a whole other conversation is (laughs) we're going to go there. We're just wasting our time. Like, are we going to apply this later in life? What are we doing in school? You know, certain things are a waste of time. But hell, something like that, if you're interested in art and you want to just get out of your regular mundane art class, not saying that's mundane, but you know what I'm saying? Ninth ninth grade art to an artist in ninth grade, maybe that really appreciates it. Even that art class is like, this is for whatever. Do you know how many barns I've I've drawn in my life? (laughs) How many? I mean, I have drawn at least... Let's see, I've been in art one, two, three, at least eight times as a project in art. <laughs> yeah. Every, almost every year. Draw a barn. Draw a 2D uh, perspective drawing of a barn. <laughs> I mean, that's such a thing. Is like, at least artists growing up in my generation, basically every year you were drawing a t- 2D representation of a barn. Why? I don't know. It's just the curriculum. It's just yeah. what they did. <laughs> you get to the point where you want to draw it with your other hand, your off hand, just to <laughs> right. try it. Right. And so, you know, I think it, 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 it does inspire those who are inspirable. They get inspired to go as far out as they can. You know, it took me forever as an art student in school to kind of realize that I was the one that was in control. You know, it's like the teachers, like in a lot of subjects, you know, I guess in everything, teachers are kind of in control, which is good. They should be in control of the classroom. They should yeah. be helping us to all succeed. That's great. It's like a guide. Yeah. But when they say, I need you to draw a 2D barn, you know, a 2D perspective barn, then they give me the control. And I, as the artist, it's up to me to take that assignment and go as far in whatever direction I want to go as possible and do as much as I want to do as possible. Or as little in a general sense, too, if somebody wants to. Yeah, yeah. And so it took me a lot all the way through high school to realize, oh, these aren't assignments. These are opportunities. There you go. That's a good way to look at just life in general. That's smart. I mean, it's a good way. Yeah. yeah that's a good mentality. Yeah. That's why That's why we all age at a different progressive rate. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, but that's, I, I think you're right. I think if, if students had the ability to sort of co-op and work with artists in the community to do larger projects, then the artists in the community that have the desire to do those larger projects could do it. Yeah. You know, the community would benefit from that. Something to think about or work on too. I mean, that has me interested, obviously, mm-hmm. trying to network and reach out and plan an event, even if it's a one-time thing and it doesn't happen a second time, just having that community. Um, so if, if somebody wants to see your work, where's the best place or how can they reach you or find your work? You have a website, social media. I do have a website. It's currently... In progress. Under construction. <laughs> me too. Trust me. I'm trying to learn WordPress. Very not easy for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I am. Well, see, it's one of those things. Uh, as my day job, I'm a web-based application designer. So it's like the painter refuses to paint his own house. Yeah, okay. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like I could build a website a hundred different ways. 
don't different want when it's to, yours, but I don't want to. Don't want to. <laughs> I need so anyway. It's like the chef that has to go home and doesn't want to cook. Maybe <laughs> actually, the best way to find me in my art is probably on Instagram right now. Okay, under Kepcrom, K E P C R O M. Perfect. And that's the I post work there all the time. Sweet. I have an Instagram. I need to use it more, but I'll make sure that I can look you up now. And we we'll talk yeah. a little bit about that off air. So we got a way to promote that stuff. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. Obviously, you got an Instagram or no Facebook or anything. I do have a Facebook site for it. So there's a Kevin Cromwell artist site okay. as well. Um, and they're all tied together. So the Instagram ties to the links. And it all yeah gets together. All right. Well, shit, I'm down to have you on again. I feel like we could keep talking, but we'll go ahead and wrap this up. I, dude, thanks for coming and hanging out. Oh, yeah. That's Thank been a blast. Sir. Yeah. Great. I want to thank Kevin again for taking time out of his day to meet up with me to record. He had a, a busy day that day. He was in the middle of dropping his car off to get new tires and then he had to head to Houston to run an art errand and then he was coming back by the end of the night uh, we were in the Lake Jackson area so if you're not familiar I mean it's hour-ish hour and a half each way to go to Houston and back I also want to thank all of you again for pressing play I mean I can't thank you guys enough I've had a rough two weeks or so personally and while I continue to climb back out of a hole I just want everyone listening to know that it means a lot. That's all for the closing segment. I don't want to keep you here any longer. I like keeping these short now. I'll be back next week with episode 23. But until then, call up a close friend or a family member that you haven't seen in a while. Pick up some dessert from a local baker and enjoy some cake and conversation. <laughs>